Hey everybody, welcome to episode 86 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week we have Lander University head coach Tony Lapore. We got a great one as we talk about how it is to build a program, what goes into it, and all sorts of things as this team heads into its first season. And we're starting now. All right, I'm here with uh, Lander University head coach Tony Lapore. Coach, thank you so much for being on this week's podcast and joining me. Well, thank you. For, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So um, I, I wanted to have you guys on. So before we kind of get into some of the more formal questions, I really kind of want to let you get have an opportunity to have the floor and kind of first tell people a little bit about yourself. Like, wh- what's your, what's your background with the sport of lacrosse? Okay, well, I mean, I grew up in Western New York, um, you know, so kind of grew up in it. Um, and then um, I took a little bit of a different path. Um, you know, I actually I did my undergraduate work at the Citadel. Uh, so I went to school there. Obviously, that's just an MCLA uh, program. And then after graduating, I went back up home to New York um, and attended uh, Geneseo State, which is a Division III uh, state university just south of Rochester, where I grew up. Uh, played there, earned my master's degree, and then um, again, kind of doing things, you know, differently. I started uh, off as a high school teacher and coach, um, and I taught social studies um, at Stonewall Jackson High School in Manassas, Virginia, for 13 years. Um, I was the head coach there for 10. Uh, my first 10, uh, basically, I was an assistant my first year as a teacher, and I was head coach for 10. And then um, while I was still teaching. Um, I took over at Northern Virginia Community College and uh, transitioned that program from a club team to a, a NJCAA uh, varsity program. And I was there for two years. And uh, so that was 2011 to 2013. And while I was doing that, I really got the, the coaching bug. I, I realized that that was where my passion really was. And I started applying for NCAA jobs and wasn't really getting a lot of um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of interest. Just, again, you know, I really had a pretty limited background. I was a high school t- uh, coach, and then as two years as a junior college coach. So um, I joined the staff at Marymount University, mm-hmm. uh, Division Division Three program in Arlington, Virginia, working for John Reynolds, um, and I coached there starting in uh, right. Uh, I want to say it was, dis- or excuse me, uh, January of uh, 2014. Um, you know, coached the the team uh, during the 2014 season through the summer and into the fall, um, and I, I was continuing to apply for full time coaching jobs and uh, got married during that time. So, uh, you know, uh, I applied for the job at Belmont Abbey um, and was very fortunate. I was hired there, uh, and my wife and I moved down to Charlotte, and I started. Uh, that was my first full time coaching position. I was at Belmont Abbey for. Uh, from the 2015 through the 2018 season. So I was there for four years, um, three as an assistant coach and my final year as an associate head coach. Um, and then, um, you know, after the 2018 season, I was, I was very fortunate. I was there with a a great group of coaches. Um, my, my boss, my head coach, Chris Barrett, um, just, uh, you know, he's, a um, a really accomplished player and a coach at the division two level. Um, he really was a mentor to me and, um, I started uh, really getting some serious consideration for some head coaching positions. And then uh, the Lander University job came open. And this one really intrigued me uh, because, you know, it's first of all, it's unique 
in its uh, in its uh, in what it is, and that's a, it's a Division two program, but it's a state university. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the Division two landscape, it's mostly, especially for lacrosse, it's mostly your very small liberal arts schools. Whereas we're you know we're a state university, and uh, it was going to be also starting a new program, which very you know that intrigued me very much. Um, yeah. You know, because inheriting you know someone else's team, someone else's program is typically a lot of work. Not that starting a new program isn't. <laughs> Um, you know, there was just a lot of things about the school in the area that drew me to it. And, you know, I got Chris's blessing and, um, you know, applied and, and, and I was very fortunate, uh, you know, that, uh, I was, um, selected to be the person to, to lead the program. And that was back in July of 2018. And I've been there since. Yeah. So, so it's, been, it's been quite a journey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it obviously sounds like, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I was talking with someone and they were like, you know, the, you know, everybody sees the overnight success. No one sees all the, you know, the decade of oh. <laughs> effort that it took to, to get to there. Cause most people don't pay attention to you get to a certain level. They forget about all that, that hard work before. But, you know, Wait. I, I know I have a lot, a lot of parents and, you know, a lot of players listening, you know, some of those may be future guys that want to coach. Like you mentioned, you were applying for those jobs in those early years, uh, right mm-hmm. after you were at Northern Virginia community college, like, yeah. can you kind of share, like, what do you, what was it that you think kind of helped you break into that, you know, finally get into to college coaching? Well, um, it, to get the job at, at Northern Virginia community college, um, I was very fortunate that the gentleman who was there at when it was a club team, um, he was leaving. He was moving out to California, and he gave my name to um, the athletic director there as someone that uh, he should reach out to. It just kind of just he and I played. Uh, we played box lacrosse together, and uh, okay. he was just being a good friend, basically. Yeah. And then um, so that's kind of how I got there. But as far as like NCAA coaching, um, I, I had to just go volunteer, go work for free. You know, yeah. like I called up John Reynolds, uh, the head coach at Marymount. And he knew me just because I was a high school coach in the region and I was a junior college coach and I had sent him a, a player. Yeah. And I was like, John, I told him, I was like, John, I really want to get NCAA coaching. It's something I, I need to give this a shot. I'm like, I'll come work for you for free. He's like, done. <laughs> so, um, and I was really lucky. You know, we had a we had a really good season at Marymount that year. Um, and um, John um, knew how badly I wanted to get into coaching full time and make it my career. And he he really helped me. Uh, every way he could. I, I'm so grateful to him because, um, and you know, a lot of guys that have played and coached with him have also moved on, you know, to great coaching positions. And he, um, you know, he he did a lot for me uh, as far as uh, helping me, uh, helping my career along. So that would be the biggest piece of advice that I could give young coaches looking to break in is you're probably gonna have to work for free as a volunteer somewhere or or as a GA if you can get in as a GA definitely do that get your master's degree paid for yeah. um, but a lot of a lot of it is networking and just um, you know there's there's very very limited amount of full-time coaching positions out there so um, you really have to uh, work hard and, and and have a good reputation and um, you know, and network properly, you know, and uh, I think that 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 really goes a long way. And I was very fortunate just to have um, mentors and coaching, um, not not only John and Chris, who, who I actually worked for, but uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Chris Swanenberg, who um, who was an NCAA coach for 20 years. And now he coaches a, a lot of club, a club and travel program down in the Virginia Beach area. And I've gotten to know him really well. And he yeah. he was also very, very helpful. So I think having some good mentors and people that can help guide you. Uh, along the way is, is very helpful as well. 
Yeah, I mean, even if the kids aren't interested in, in coaching, that's a pretty good, you know, just tip for for life in general. Networking, you know, a good, oh, yeah. <laughs> have a good good reputation, like you know, be known as a, good, a hard worker. Um, sure. Yeah, it's a, I think that's also like I I asked because I kind of I made the assumption which reporters generally never or are supposed to do that you prep first job was probably free. And I always feel like that's kind oh, of an yeah. important lesson. Like, you know, you're, you're probably like, if this is a line of work you're interested in getting in, is like your first job is probably not going to, you know, you're lucky if you get paid at all, but it's probably not oh, going to be much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, especially even when I was a high school coach, you know what I mean? Like the, or when I was working at Marymount, just, um, you know, John found a way to give me a little bit of money, like coaching one of his summer teams or like going to like paid recruiting events and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, there's, um, for the guys that uh, really want to do it, there's typically a lot of grinding involved and a lot of late nights and early mornings and just, you know, no weekends. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't look at this. I don't look at this job as a as a have to do. I look at it as a get to do. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm unique in, in the coaching profession in that I was a career changer into coaching. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I relish this. So yeah. that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, honestly, I can I can relate because when I started out as a reporter, my first job was as a stringer at a newspaper in Wilmington, North Carolina. It was like twenty five dollars a story or a day. <laughs> Obviously, nowhere near enough to live on. So I was working a full time job. There'd be times I'd be up and working a full time job at eight a.m. and I'd go to the oh, newspaper yeah. and I'd leave at one. Mm-hmm. And that's you know. And then my first real full time job as a reporter was I think I was making like fourteen thousand dollars a year. Oh yeah. Which in Wilmington, <laughs> like that, that got you further than you would think. But I'm like, now I think about it, I'm like, can I live on fourteen thousand dollars a year? That's now? still like, uh, that's, that's still like below the poverty line. Yeah, so, yeah. I was like, that's, <laughs> it's like it's amazing how much gun thing I was young and you know, we we didn't have a lot of you know, we just wanted to go out and have a good time at that point and pay our rent. Uh, <laughs> but at any rate, um, so you kind of mentioned a couple of things that was pretty interesting. One, Lander, um, obviously, uh, it's a new program, and you're yeah. the program's first head coach in history. What first of all, give people a little bit of information on what is Lander University like? What what kind of where is it located? What kind of yeah. you mentioned is a state university, but you know, kind sure. of give us some details. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a state university located in the city of Greenwood, South Carolina, which is about forty five minutes south of Greenville, where uh, like where Furman University is located. Okay. Um, and uh, you know we are um, it's uh, you know as far as like uh, the makeup of the school. You know, um, like I said, state university, um, a really, and that's kind of like, it, it's a really nice thing because, you know, you have the, the resources and support of a state university. Um, uh, but you also, we're only about 33, 3,400 students. So you still have the, I mean, it's not tiny. Right. Um, it's certainly not as small as like when I was at Belmont Abbey. Uh, but, um, you still have that, uh, the, the, um, the personal relationships and, um, the, the individual attention that I think, um, you know, students really excel in an environment that helps students excel. So yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of best of both worlds. Um, you know, so that was one of the things that like really popped up on my radar when I was looking at the job and, um, you know, and then other things too, like, you know, you, you go on the website, you start doing the research and you realize that, um, um, a great variety of degree programs, um, ROTC, I mean, there's, great facilities and support for all of our athletic programs. You know, all you gotta do is look on the website and see that we have just an, an, we had seven teams make the NCAA tournament last year in their respective sports, you know, so all of that are, are great signs. And, um, you know, it's a place where, or another thing, you know, when I went there and I interviewed and you meet some of the coaches and many of them have been there for a long time. And if it wasn't, if it was a bad place to work and you weren't having success, you wouldn't be there terribly long. So, 
there were a lot of indicators that it was a a place where um, not only that that I feel like we could build a a long term successful and sustainable program, but a community that uh, where you know my family could be enjoy living and um, a place where we could uh, we could raise our, our family. So yeah, um, yeah I mean uh, it's a it's a good spot. Um, you know I think. Um, you know, really the only, I guess the only downside is, uh, you know, one of the, well, I guess one of the cool things is we're the only state university in South Carolina to sponsor NCAA men's lacrosse. So that's yeah. a, that's a big draw. And in a state too, uh, the state of South Carolina's the high school lacrosse here is just exploding. Um, there are some really good players coming out of here. Um, and there's high schools adding it every single day. And there's just a great existing high school sports culture in the state already. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's I felt like, man, this is I'm getting in at just like the perfect time here. So, uh, yeah, I feel really fortunate. And things have been going in a really great direction so far. Yeah, I've always uh, I, I started my career covering high school football and I got to see I think it was Burns um, out oh, of yeah. South Carolina. They played. I forget the. The running back they had at that time, um, but he went and major D one. I think he, I think he's in the NFL now. And I think they also had the um, Jadavian Clowney. I think he's from South Carolina. I think. Oh yeah, I mean, well, uh, Josh Norman, Josh Norman, the cornerback for the Redskins, uh, formerly for the Panthers, but now the Redskins. He's, yeah. I mean, he's a Greenwood High School guy. So yeah, yeah AJ Green. Those... I got to see oh, yeah. AJ Green from Greenville. <laughs> like it's a, oh, and I, a... I, I, and I find that relevant because I always find like obviously we know two sport athletes. Like a lot of a lot of states that I see like they have a good football base. Like that means they usually have a lot of athletes and South Carolina mm-hmm. has a lot of athletes and you know, they, those generally translate pretty well to the sport of lacrosse. Like obviously Wando and it's got a fantastic okay. program down there. Fort Mill has got a good. great program. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and great weather, you know, so that helps too. <laughs> so the kids can be outside, you know, most of the year. Um, and you know, like of those high schools that you mentioned, they just, they have great sports culture. Like they have athletic directors that understand the, um, you know, that the, it's, it's important to their communities. Um, and that means that typically the facilities are very good. The weight rooms are really good. They hire qualified coaches, yeah. um, you know, so that all, you know, I guess you say trickles up to the NCAA programs, you know, that are recruiting from those areas. Yeah. Did you get any sense like why Lander decided, like why, why they decided to add lacrosse? Yeah, I, I asked that question in my interview and, you know, it's because and this is, again, one of the things that, that drew me to the school, um, because most of the time when you're new, again, when you're a small private liberal art, you know, Division two schools are adding lacrosse. They're doing it as an enrollment initiative because yeah. they need, you know, they, they need um, more students. Mm-hmm. Um, we did it um, because we want to be the first state university to have NCAA men's lacrosse. Um, and we need more male student athletes at the school. Um, we added, so we added two male sports, which again, something you don't really see typically. Yeah, that happened too often. <laughs> right. And we added wrestling as well. Um, because we just, we just need more, more guys at our school because, uh, you know, of the, um, you know, 33, 3,400 were, were about 70% female, um, you know, so the addition of uh, those sports and some other new degree programs is helping to, you know, I guess you could say we're not trying to boost enrollment. We're trying to um, attract 
a uh, a broader uh, spectrum of students. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that was, you know, th- those were their, their reasons. And, they, you know, and the other thing, too, is they were just like, they want to be really good at it. You know, they yeah. wanted to be the first and um, they want to help spur on the addition of uh, lacrosse uh, in the Peach Belt Conference. Uh, and actually, we have a, have a have had some conversations about that. So, um, you know, with the way the lacrosse is growing, especially in the southeast, it's like, you're either you're either early or you're late, you know, yeah. and um, they uh, they wanted to be early. So here we are. Yeah, it's a good area to be in with, you know, just North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia and Florida. Like there's, <laughs> there's tons and tons of talent just to know just to know states alone. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of which, so, you know, I, I want to kind of ask about the recruiting process for a D2 program, but kind of a little bit different because you're starting a new program. So yeah. what was that process like, like trying to, you know, one, I guess you got to guess a, a broader task because you're like one got to let people know like hey we we're here we exist it's an option now and then you got to get convinced the kids to come so what was that process like for you and how did you even begin well um it was it's kind of twofold the first is you have to grow awareness of your new program and you also and you have to really just get out there and just do the work in recruiting um you know unfortunately when i was at belmont you know we did a lot of that and um <laughs> You know, you, you lean on your recruiting contacts and your recruiting network. Um, and when you start to make some some contacts um, and you start to communicate with uh, prospective student athletes, um, you find yourself gravitating towards kids that are excited about starting something new. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you you know, when you're starting a new program, you have, t- you have literally thousands of conversations. I mean, for an entire year, all I do is talk to teenage boys on the telephone. And that sounds a little <laughs> weird, you know, but um, that's what I had to do. Yeah. And, you know, the the guys that, that I went after really hard were the guys that were, like, excited about doing this, uh, starting something new. Um you know, because a lot of times kids would ask, well, you know, what's the team like? What's the team like? And I'm like, well, you get to decide. Yeah. And for kids that that was appealing to, those were the guys that, you know, and, you know, that we, we, we continued to move forward with. Yeah. And, um, yeah, um, so it was a ton of work, you know, but um, it was interesting. It was a very obviously recruiting here is very different recruiting at Belmont. Um and there were some similarities too, like given the region and everything. Uh, one of the things that was that was really challenging was, you know, being you know a state university um, here in South Carolina. We had a ton of interest from in-state kids, mm-hmm. and you know, we have to obviously we want to attract the best in-state players, and I think that we're doing that. Um, or at the very least, if you're going to leave South Carolina, you got to visit here first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we want to dominate in-state recruiting with the best in-state kids that we possibly can. But we also want to continue to have success in recruiting in areas that, you know, just that I've always had success in recruiting in, you know, like and so um, that's kind of, uh, you know, what we've been doing. And, yeah. uh, you know, so far, so good. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> you have any idea like how many kids you probably talked to over the course? Because I imagine that pool is probably pretty large and then until it shrinks to the what, like 30 kids yeah. you probably have on the roster. We are at, we're going to go into the spring with 39. 39. Um, That's a pretty big roster you know, for first year. Yeah. We, well, again, you know, the state university thing like really helps. Yeah. Um, and, you know, be in division two because we could package pretty well in terms of, you know, academic and athletic aid and just the cost of attendance here isn't terribly high. So, um, you know, we, um, we did pretty well, um, 
you know, but uh, gosh, who knows how many calls. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I can tell you is, um, you know, I had to download this app on my phone. It was called Call Reminder because I would just schedule so many calls and I just plug all the, you plug them into this app and it was just like ding, 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 you know, remind <laughs> Now that uh, I have to I have to make these calls at these times, especially for the kids out west, like, you know, it's nine, ten o'clock yeah. at night and, you know, it's like six, seven o'clock there. So, yeah, um, a lot of phone calls. Yeah, that, that, that time zone will get you every now and someone who lives <laughs> in the Midwest, like it's, all, oh, yeah. I, you know, from the emails from us back and forth, it's always I always have to I usually do it in Eastern time, like because that's seems to be the standard maybe that's just because i was growing up on the east coast but i was like i always have to kind of be clear it's like all right you know i know it's a little bit different it's a little bit easier on the guys on the west coast because they're probably just sitting down to dinner just yeah. getting home at this time <laughs> they're, they're not in bed yet yeah not not yet not yet <laughs> um so you know I, I get a lot of parents that have kind of asked about um the the contact rules obviously with the new contact rules for uh recruiting being still fairly new um a lot of parents had asked me on twitter like just what the re- contact rules are like for a division two program like what what is your guys ability to talk to underclassmen like it's very similar to division one except our contact date is june 15th prior to junior year versus september 1st prior to junior year for the uh for the d1s you know so but we face almost identical rules uh the other real big you know difference is we have different dead periods Mm -hmm. um from uh, division one. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty similar. Okay. So you guys just get like a couple months earlier, which yeah, gotta be yeah. pretty nice. Um, you know, so, and you mentioned the, the dead period. So I was going to ask you a little bit about the recruiting timeline. Like, like how much do those vary? Like, do you have more? Is it longer? Like what's the dead periods like for you guys? Oh, they're only like several days. Like they're typically the 48 hours prior to the signing period opening. Uh, they're about a 72 hour period during the MLCA convention, uh, about a four or five day period during the NCAA championships. Other than that, it's pretty wide open. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you mentioned kind of your, the <coughs> ability to package academic and athletic scholarships. What's that? What's the, uh, uh, what's that program? What is that like? Cause obviously paying for college is a huge question. Everybody's going sure. to ask. Um, so, you know, obviously state university, we have in-state versus out-of-state tuition rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in-state, um, you know, room board tuition fees is about 20, a little over 20, like 20,300. Um, and then out of state, it's like 31. Um, but, uh, you know, we have the ability to give, um, you know, some student athletes, um, you know, some, some waivers, you know, to get them in-state tuition and to package academic and athletic aid, especially, you know, if they're a strong student and I'm sure I'm not the first coach to be on here or to say publicly that, the vast majority of your aid package will hinge on your academics and, uh, you know, to do as, as well as you possibly can with that. So yeah, yeah. you're, you're, you're right. You're not the first one, but I would never stop a coach from saying, cause I don't think you'd oh. be, be said enough. Like it's always, you're going to help, you're going to do yourself a lot more favors by <clears throat> getting, sure. your, getting as best grades as possible. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, it translates to a lot of money, you know? So just think of it that way. Yeah. And that, that helps later on whenever you're done with school. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. still, pay, still paying for my master's degree here. So yeah, yeah. I, I finished mine about a year and a half ago and yep, I, I get that bill every month. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of talking like the, it was funny cause it, it was probably 
eight, nine months ago when I put out like asking people like what their number one question uh, was for like just the recruiting process. Because it used to be like, how do you get noticed? Like for years and years, like people were asking me how I get noticed. But I think with the amount of events that have kind of come up over the past decade, um, the question has now become like, how do they decide? Like how do parents, players make those decisions on which two events to attend? So I've gotten a variation of answers from, mm-hmm. from coaches, but I'm going to kind of put it out to you because you've obviously – you're new to this position, but you've been recruiting yeah. for a while. Like, in your experience, like, what kind of advice would you give to players and parents when they're trying to pick events? Oh, that's a good one um, because events come in all shapes and sizes, and um, some events are incredibly well run and incredibly well organized and cater not only to the student athletes but also to the college coaches in attendance. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that we want to go to. Uh, because the book is good, the contact information is is organized and ready for us. Um, the game schedules are put out in advance, so we know where to go and what fields at what times. Um, and so you want the events that are the most professionally run and have good reputations, because mm-hmm. those are those are going to be the ones that we go to. Um, and so obviously, the more college coaches are there, the better your exposure. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to give out a free advertising or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't want I mean, to, you know, to, to, to back one <laughs> you know, of it over another. So, so what I would say to student athletes and their parents is ask a lot of questions, you know, ask them, um, you know, say like, hey, we were considering signing up for this showcase. We were considering signing up for this particular event or our, our club team is, is considering going to this event. Um, is this a good event? Like what you or talk to people that have been to the, that one before. Like what was your experience like? Um, you know, so. Uh, because, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I've been to events that, you know, are a plus all the way down to F minus, you know, in terms of, in terms of that. So, um, yeah, there's, I would say, ask a lot of questions, uh, to people who've attended those events in the past. Um, don't get too sucked in by their fancy website or, you know, um, I, I really think that, the reputation of an event, you know, word of mouth is big and you can learn a lot um, from, from that. So, yeah. And there's events that, you know, for us coaches that are just can't miss events every summer or every fall, because we know there will be a certain caliber of player there. It's organized. It's well run. The books are good. Um, there's good parking, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's near where we can, you know, easily access it. Like all that stuff matters. It really does. Um, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, those are all good questions to ask. And, um, you know, that's, uh, it's, it is, it is a bit of a, it is a bit of a crapshoot though, because the market is honestly, it's a little oversaturated with events and showcases and prospect days and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, you mentioned some of the questions. Like, what if you were? Uh, I know you are a parent, but uh, you know, uh, if if you were telling your kid like they're trying to decide, like, and they're contacting the event organizer, because I mean, you know, ask them if it's a good event. Like, yeah, you know, there no event organizer is gonna be like, no, my event's horrible. But like, so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, if they did, I'd be pretty. You'd be like, oh, okay, thanks for your honesty. But you know, at any rate, um, you know, what kind of questions? Like just like maybe two or three questions that you know, if you were a parent giving advice, like what should they ask? Like what should their top three questions ask? They're trying to figure that out. Um, I would ask questions along the lines of, um, is this a recruiting event? Will college coaches be in attendance? 
um, how long has this event been going on mm-hmm. and what is the attendance from the college coaches being like? Um, and, you know, I would ask questions about um, what other teams are attending if it's a tournament, mm-hmm. um, because that oftentimes is a good indicator of the strength of the tournament. And, you know, the stronger the tournament, typically the, the more coaches will attend. And I think another good thing to, to also take a look at is when the tournament is or the showcase is occurring, because if it's, you know, if it's a new event that's coming up, let's just say, you know, first weekend in June, well, good luck, you know, right. because there, <laughs> there's a million of them then, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, there's, those, those are the kind of things that, that I, w- I would be looking at, but there's, there's a list a mile long, you know, there's uh, and again, I, I would talk to people who have been to the event in the past and teams have been in the event in the past. So that'll tell you a lot. Yeah. And I mean, obviously if anybody's going like they're probably <laughs> with the, with a club team, um, hopefully the club yeah. organizer kind of has an idea of, you know, some of these events and it, it, its history. I mean, we live in a kind of a, we're kind of lucky in a way, like, we're not like football or basketball where it's so big, like you're disconnected. Like it, lacrosse the community feels kind of like a small community. I mean, I know it's very large, but like a lot of times people, you know, like word gets around. It's not too hard uh, to find someone there, that can kind of speak to something. There's maybe like one or two degrees of separation. Yeah. That's about <laughs> it. I, I joked I was uh, with Coach Kemp who <clears throat> used to be at McCallie School. Um, there was years ago, It was I was talking to him at an event and it was one of those, like, I think he's a original Long Island guy. And he was like, yeah, he's like, every coach can stretch their roots back to either Baltimore or Long <laughs> Island. <laughs> you know, it's like a new, uh, Baltimore or New York is like the two areas yeah. that, you know, everybody kind of, those roots have grown from. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, the com- the community is small in that respect. Um, so, you know, it kind of goes in, like we, we talked about events, but, you know, again, people still want to know, like, what are some things players can do to kind of get noticed or get the attention of a college coach? It doesn't, I know from talking from other coaches doesn't necessarily have to be on the field stuff. So I'll kind of leave that open for you as well. Well, I mean, there, there's a lot. I think the first thing that I would encourage, uh, you know, uh, a student athlete to do is to be organized in the recruiting, um, identify the schools or, or the areas, you know, make a list before you start. Don't just spam every coach in the NCAA. Um, you know, there's research the schools that, that you think are a good fit for you and then kind of go from there. Um, you know, those are, uh, because that says a lot, like when we get an email or we get contact from, from a, from a young man, we can tell right away if he's genuinely interested, um, and wants to be recruited or if he's just, uh, you know, it's like, you know, a Black Friday email that we all got like two to three weeks ago. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it's just spam. It's just spam. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that to start with that, um, obvious, you know, then there's the obvious things like, you know, when you do communicate with coaches, uh, particularly via email, make sure you have something in there regarding your academic profile, what you're looking to uh, study in college, um, some film, ideally. Um, and a list of events, uh, that, that you have played in or plan on playing in, because what that does is when you provide that information up front, it prevents us from having to ask you for, it and this constant back and forth. Yeah. And that tells us that this is a young man that's organized and motivated, and this is something they really want to do. And, um, you know, those are things that, that are really helpful in recruiting. And then the other thing, and, and this is something that I really, grown to notice over the last several years is um, 
I know this is really hard to convey in an email, um, but you know, you, you will convey this, you know, with how you play and how you act when you're on your visit or when you're, uh, you know, you're participating in a prospect day or a showcase or tournament, or whatever. We, we want guys that really, really, really love lacrosse. Um, you got to love it because we ask a lot of these guys, yeah. um, you know, in the recruiting process, I think a lot of kids love getting recruited. I don't think they love, oh, I got to wake up for 6 a.m. lift. You know what I mean? Oh, I got, oh, I have a weekly academic meetings. Oh, I have to, you know, I, I got to meet with my advisor. I got to do this. You know, like there's, that's the stuff that uh, oftentimes gets glossed over in the recruiting process. And, um, you know, so it, it's really important that you love lacrosse and this and playing college lacrosse and being, you know, an NCAA student athlete is something that you genuinely want to do yeah. uh, because it is a highly competitive arena um, and there are very motivated people there. And um, you you will get you get you get left but left behind pretty quick if you're if you're not on board with that. And, yeah. you know, and if you're not on board with that, too, that's totally OK. It's just important to kind of be honest with yourself about that early in the recruiting process. You know, like is lacrosse like a hobby or is it a passion? It's something like you can't imagine not playing, you know, like yeah. so uh, that's that's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting you mentioned it because I know that's come up a lot of times because I'm sure you know probably everybody listening to this podcast like they obviously have an interest in lacrosse and they they want to play lacrosse, um, but I think there's a difference between you know you want to play and like you kind know, of you you said so can you elaborate a little bit it's like you know how can a player know if they they just want they they love lacrosse but then how can they know that they yeah. love lacrosse like okay can you tell the difference or like and how well, would you describe it. Well, it's hard for me to articulate because I love it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like saying, like, can you please describe why you love your daughter? You know, like, <laughs> well, it's because it's my daughter, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, but um, <clears throat> I think that a lot of times, um, you know, one of the things that I guess I've noticed is and this is totally anecdotal, you know, but um, you see some kids begin the recruiting process because some of their high school teammates are doing it or they play for a club team and some of their club teammates are doing it and they're kind of like well i guess i gotta do it yeah. or they play in an event and they get an email from a coach and they're like yeah i guess i'll respond and you know it's just it's got to be genuine yeah um it, it's got to be like you got you got to really be honest with yourself that this is something i want to do and this is kind of like why it's important for parents to not completely hijack and take over their son's recruiting process because it's their choice. You know, you're going to drop them off at school and then they're a young, they're a young adult and I, they're going to, and I'm going to be the one that they have to deal with. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it's the parents kind of driving the recruiting process and, um, the kid is just kind of along for the ride, you yeah. know? So, um, these are just, these are just challenging conversations that, uh, kids got to have with their parents, you know, yeah. and, uh, and with their high school and club coaches to see, uh, you know, if this is exactly what you want. You yeah, know, because again, at the Division One and Division Two level, um, we have a lot of we have a lot of what we call countable hours. We can we can make we can do a lot of uh, mandatory team activities throughout the entire year. And yeah. any NCAA program worth its salt is maximizing those hours to the minute. Yeah. You know, and including us. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those like I think it, I forget where I heard it. Um, it was years ago where someone was telling me it was like you know basically be a Division One athlete like. Usually when you go to college, you have, you know, if you're an athlete, you have athletics and you have academics 
but then there's everything else like you know the all the off the field outside can you know the you know whether you're sure. in a, a fraternity or you know you just like to hang out with friends and go to bars and hang out like that kind of you know animal house type college experience sure. um but generally when you're a division one division two athlete like you get two out of the three and because well academics really don't have a choice about because you won't be there very long for the other right. so it's academics so you got to really choose between are you gonna be athlete or if you want to have you know that that other experience like you don't want to spend your time being an athlete like it's hard to have all three, the cake and eat it too kind of thing. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't have that balance, you know, and I think that, you know, because when, when in the recruiting process, we do talk to our recruits about like, Hey, we're a state university. There's like a really great campus life here. You know, we had, we have Greek life. We have this sort of things. Yeah. I think, I think the important thing <clears throat> to articulate, you know, to the recruits and their families is we're going to ask a lot of you, but we're giving you a lot too. Yeah. And, um, it's, you know, it's just being realistic about what the experience is going to genuinely be like. And, um, you know, as long as everybody's upfront about it, then the typically there's no surprises, you know? Yeah. So I'm not saying our guys, you know, or <laughs> there's nobody at the division one or division two level, you know, where it's just like, they, you know, it's just like eat, sleep, lacrosse, homework, right, right, you know, right. anything like that. <laughs> You know, but uh, like, I mean, if it was, it'd be awesome. I guess coaches would be <laughs> thrilled about that. Um, you know, but uh, <laughs> the um, there, there's a balance there. And, you know, we're asking you that sometimes you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Like, as a matter of fact, we were communicating with the team earlier today. You know, they finished up their exams in their home right now. And I told them, I'm like, look, guys, I want you to enjoy this break. You've earned it. Yeah. But remember, it's 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 holiday you know it's christmas break for most college students it's preseason for us yeah because we have the privilege of getting to play you know at this level and you know and, and just uh, just keep that in mind you yeah. know so i'm asking you over the break to i want you to enjoy your break and do the things that you want to do with your family your friends but i also need you to get your lift in every day yeah. you need to get your running in you need to get your skill work and your wall work in uh, and if that means you wake up an hour early, you go to bed an hour late, or you tell your friends, hey, uh, I'll meet up with you guys a little bit later because i got to do this workout first, then that's that's what a responsible person has to do. Yeah. So that's what we're asking. Yeah. Okay. I think that's perfectly perfectly summed up. Um, you know, I guess kind of the, the final thing, and I think we've probably already touched it, but I always like to ask the obvious question because sure. it seems like there's – like, and I know there's not one answer, but, you know, in your opinion, like what is the number one thing uh, – uh, student athlete can do to kind of make themselves the most recruitable player possible? Well, um, I mean, I've kind of touched on, on several of those already. Like, again, like loving lacrosse, love to compete. Um, yeah, I, I want guys that, that want to, you can tell when you're watching them, the guys are out there just going through the motions or, you know, it's the three o'clock on a Sunday, you know, consolation bracket game. And there's a kid flying around up and down the field, like playing like a maniac. I want that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think I would, I would, you know, there's, there's, there's the eyeball test. That's all the stuff that we coaches see when we're at this event. I think one of the biggest things that any recruit can do, you know, I, I mentioned this briefly before is like be organized in recruiting and the academic piece, the academics are, are gigantic. Uh, because again, most of the aid for your aid package is going to come from academics. It opens doors for you, but it also closes some too. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, going hand in hand with that is be realistic about what you want and what you're capable of. Um, you know, so 
that's um, th- those are some big things. And then, uh, you know, another thing, too, I think is really important um, is, you know, t- to all the and this is not only for for men's and women's players, you know, for all, all the high school age student athletes out there. You have to do your recruiting process, not your mom and dad. Like, I want to talk to you. Um, I want to get to know you. Don't get me wrong. I, I love our parents. Our parents are great. And um, I enjoy communicating with them. But I don't coach them. And I'm you're not coach- recruiting them. <laughs> right, right. I- I'm coaching you and I'm recruiting you. And, you know, so I would I would encourage the student athletes to, to, to take ownership of the recruiting process. Because if your parents do everything for you right up until the moment where you get dropped off on campus – you're going to be one of these kids who's just totally helpless when you get here. Yeah. And we don't want helpless guys. You know, we want guys that are, have been in charge of their future, you know, from the moment they started considering it. So I think that'd be a big piece of advice I'd, I'd pass along. Yeah. I mean, college can be someone who, uh, you know, I started off at community college cause I was like, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And it's amazing how much, you know, I changed from high school for those first, you know, that first year in community college, like, Oh, you know, you can't just, skate by this stuff and then when i got to a four-year school i was like yeah you really time management really is it it is a sure. skill you have to have <laughs> like sure you no know, uh so it's uh it could be a challenge so the earlier you can kind of get that i mean obviously the recruiting process like i think it's worth stressing like this is supposed to be fun like there's not yeah. many like there's you know you consider how many kids play high school lacrosse and how many actually get recruited like not many kids get to go through this like it's sure. it's enjoyable like there's not many times in your life where you get people to say, like, I want you here. Like, oh, yeah. Most of the times you're like begging. You'd be like, I want a job here. I want to go work here. Like, you know, yeah. it's the other way around. So it's really nice to be wanted, yeah. especially, you know, when you're at an age, you know, you're 16, 17, 18 years old. You know, let's be honest. When you're when you're a teenager, you're seeking validation. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of insecurity there. So it's nice to it's nice to feel wanted. It's nice to, you know, but um, again, it's uh I'm recruiting you. I'm not recruiting your mom. You know, like uh, I, I want to talk to you. And sure, don't get me wrong. I, I welcome parent contact and the questions that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do want to get to know the player because he, he and I are going to be the ones that that form the relationship. Yeah. You know, during their time here, and then of course beyond. Yeah. You know, so um, that's that, that's that's something really important. All right, Coach. Well, um, as kind of wrap up, but before I let you go, like, where can people kind of find more information about uh, Lander University and the lacrosse program online? Sure. Um, well, at lander.edu. Um, and as far as the lacrosse program, there's uh, landerbearcats.com. And we have a prospect day coming up in January. Uh, we only run one a year right now. So it's not one of the, we're not one of those schools that's running like nine prospect <laughs> days and inviting the Western hemisphere. You know, so we, we, uh, you know, we run one and it's, um, it's a great event. Um, and if, uh, if there's student athletes out there who are genuinely interested, you know, I would encourage them to visit the school website, visit the athletics website, see if this is a place where they're, they're genuinely interested. And then if the, the prospect day is something that they would like to attend, um, they can learn more and register at uh, bearcatlacrossecamps.com. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we welcome it. The, the, it's filling up pretty quick, but we still have some spots left. And, um, you know, we're always looking to – we had some kids from the Midwest attend last year. We do have three Ohio boys on the team right now. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're expanding. And we have a young man from Michigan on the team. So, um, you know, our, our recruiting net goes far and wide. So, yeah. Um, there's plenty out there. And then of course on social media, you know, we're on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Lander 
M Lax or Lander Men's Lax. You, you just search it. I'm sure you can find it. Uh, you know, please give us a follow because uh, that makes our SID really happy. Yeah, so, and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll make sure I link to everything so everybody can Thank you. check you guys out as well. You know, it's that. one of those like uh, it, it's funny because I was talking with Coach Starball, who's Illinois Tech head yeah, coach. Um, yeah. He's down the road for me, um, and he was so he was like, "Yeah, we got a lot of kids from the West Coast." And I was like, really? I was like, how'd you convince him? He's like, oh, yeah, we got kids from San Diego. I was like, how do you convince a kid from San Diego to come to Chicago? <laughs> People <laughs> vacation there, man. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's the school. He was like, oh, you know, they have a – that school has a very specific set of students that will be attracted to it. So, sure. you know, it's one of – but I was like, wow, that's a good sell. <laughs> it's like because – I'm not a winter weather fan. Uh, I would yeah. much rather be in oh, South Carolina. The, yeah, the weather, the weather. I mean, like, look, just the setting. You know what I mean? It's um, a great community, um, great city. Uh, and what's really cool is um, the university is giving us tremendous support um, in terms of, like, you know, operating budget, you know, scholarships, uh, full-time assistant coach. Um, you know, we're building a brand-new lacrosse facility um, and adding a turf field. Um, you know, our, now, you know, we, um, it's under construction right now. So our guys are very, being very patient, um, (laughs) you know, but it's really nice that they're, they're bringing, they're, they're giving us all this to help our players and and our future players have the best student athlete experience that they possibly can. So yeah, yeah, really happy about that. Exciting time. And there's not, there's not many opportunities, like not many coaches get the opportunity to say like, I'm the first head coach and program history and field yeah. the first team and play the first game. Like you got a lot of first coming up, you know? Yeah. I mean, fun. we had our first scrimmages this fall and we got our first game coming up on February 1st. So I just booked the hotel for it today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the the parts of a head coach that most people don't think about, like, you know, booking yes. hotels and travel. <laughs> yeah. Very, very glamorous. Very glamorous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, coach. Well, I cannot thank you enough. Um, good luck in your first game thank and you. all the games this season. So I appreciate it. And like I said, I'll have links to all your guys' social media and everything online as well. Cool. Thanks a lot, Mike. I really appreciate it. All right. You have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye.